You're listening to the Today in Manufacturing podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti, and welcome to a new episode of the Today in Manufacturing podcast. With me today are Jeff Branke and Anna Wells. We each have about 15 years of experience covering the manufacturing industry. Each week, we take the five most popular stories on our website and discuss the implications they might have on the industry going forward. Before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. Finally, if you want to reach the podcast, you can reach any of us at Jeff, David, or Anna at IEN.com with email the podcast in the subject line. How are you doing this week, Jeff? Awesome, man. How about you? I am feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, we had a little yeah. banter beforehand, so I'm feeling like a little keyed up. You're fired up now? I am. I am. The juice is flowing? It turns, yeah. <laughs> Juices are flowing. Uh, Anna, how are you doing? I'm fine. Wise. Yeah, great on the juice. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of juice. So you're on the juice. Yeah. You admit to being on the juice. What? What? What is the juice? I don't know, the, but I'm feeling it. Metaphor? Or? It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Um, I definitely wanted to say that uh, before we started, you know, uh, Jeff, our confrontation uh, <laughs> last week got a, got a couple of people concerned. And I said, you know, sometimes the parents fight and it's still OK. Parents fight. Well, like, wouldn't it be more like brothers type thing. You know, sometimes brothers fight. That's Jeff. better. I feel okay. more comfortable with that. I mean, it's a new world, Jeff. Are okay. you getting a right. divorce? <laughs> it's not your fault, Anna. Oh, man. It, it <laughs> you is, didn't do anything wrong. It is hard to hear that. But nothing was really wrong until you came along. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Proud to be the wedge to drive you to a party. (laughs) All right. Let's jump into our first story this week. New cars and missing features. What can you do? You'll likely know about the chip shortage, which is hurting automakers right now. However, there's another trend that can further complicate the new car buying process. Some automakers are limiting and even ending features that aren't possible without chips. For example, heated seats, touchscreens, USB ports are all out. And some buyers might not think to look for them until they're driving off the lot. The missing features vary depending on the brand, and some fortunate automakers have been less affected by the chip shortage and aren't cutting features. Most GM SUVs and trucks will not come with heated seats or heated steering wheels, which you know, seems really important right now since as we're recording this, it's between zero and one degree in Wisconsin. So heated everything for me. GM responded by saying that it can retrofit heated and ventilated seats to vehicles, missing them at no cost starting in mid-2022. Other examples are BMWs that don't have touchscreens, Mercedes-Benzes that are missing massaging chairs, (laughs) and Nissans Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are out, though. Those are out. And Nissans that don't have nav systems. Some manufacturers are offering credits for missing features. Others, I guess, and I just hope you don't catch it. I guess. Poor car buyers, man. It's like if you're unlucky enough to have to, like, buy a car right now, it seems like you're getting screwed right and left. Like price, choice. Oh, now yeah. They're more expensive than ever and they have less than any. Yeah. <laughs> like now you don't get maps or <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, and some of these seem like, you know, like some of the ones you mentioned, like maybe a little bit more ancillary or disposable features like yeah. massaging chairs or whatever. But the heated seats thing. Yeah. I mean, like I'm a coddled baby. I need that. <laughs> it's freezing here. Yeah. But like the navigation stuff, like that's a pretty big deal, right? Everybody right. uses that like, you know, maybe on a daily basis. I don't know. It's something drivers really rely on at this point in time. MapQuest doesn't, I don't know. No. The days of printing out a map and setting it on my passenger seat are yeah. over. Oddly enough, my dad got like a Atlas 
for Christmas. Never been happier. Yeah, like where? Who's, just the, wow. who's printing that? Just I, the comfort of having it in the car apparently is enough. I guess. No, I, but it was. You know what? He had, like got it and we all opened it and it's like, hey, look, roads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, look at this. Yeah. All yeah. the interstates, all yeah. the interstate highways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I would not be pleased to take ownership of a car that was missing features. And, it, um, you know, Edmonds is saying people aren't being charged for these missing features that the oh. automakers are acknowledging that they're not there, blah, blah, blah. But you hear these reports of these insane dealer markups right now. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the um, reports on some of the like Broncos, what they're selling for. Mm. Like I, I saw a couple in Florida were s- selling, selling for like a hundred thousand dollars. Like the markup was like. Were they older or newer? Tens of thousands of dollars new. Wow. But I think it's a good reminder that manufacturers don't actually set the price on a vehicle. They suggest it. They sort of set that baseline. But dealers, you know, in a market like this where supplies are scarce and, um, you know, there's a lot of buyers, then they're, I guess, well within their rights to beef up those, uh, build some fat into that uh, (laughs) price. But, you know, in the end, like if you're really missing features, like I, I do think that you are actually paying for those i don't think anyone's getting out of that really so no i that was my understanding too is that you are paying for it but then they're offering credits Mm -hmm. so you know you have a hundred dollars five hundred dollars towards uh putting back into a other various features, True. which kind of seems like a little misleading sort of yeah well and and you know i think overall my point is like if you're already overpaying for the vehicle Mm -hmm. i mean I don't know. You're not getting a good deal here if if you're missing features in addition to that. Even if they say they're going to give you a credit or whatever, you're right. paying more than that car is probably worth to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that's difficult. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not good if you have to. <laughs> yeah. Like we've talked about this a few times in the podcast. Like if you have to, if you can wait to buy a, a new car, right. do do that. Wait, Jeff, is this a time for? old manufacturers that still have the plates to, you know, fire up the hand cranks for windows. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, who, weren't we just talking to somebody? That's what they wanted. They Their kid like wants the, a car with windows with cranks. Man, I don't even know how you find those anymore. You got to <clears throat> maybe find a Rambler. <laughs> yeah. um, pretty unique. So there's a chip shortage, you say? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's, and that's you know, affecting things in the automotive market. It's been in the news it's here crazy. and there. Crazy. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so, yeah, I think what's interesting on a couple of fronts, I, I guess the first things I thought of is what about resale values for mm-hmm. these vehicles? Oh, you know, true. once that's we eventually point. sort of get through this crazy time in a couple of years, if you do have a vehicle that either needed to be retrofitted or didn't come with some of these things that at one point in time were considered stock options. What does that do? I mean, we're already looking at potentially this weird sort of product life cycle where things are overpriced, but when they return to normal from a supply perspective, is the value going to drop even lower? Because mm-hmm. yeah. it doesn't have you know some of these other creature comforts that we were we've kind of come to expect a little bit. Yeah. The other thing too, you know, with this chip shortage and with these types of vehicles, excuse me, <clears throat> you kind of wonder how this is going to affect potentially the EV market too. Mm-hmm. On average, they're going to use more chips than a, a standard vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you buy an EV where you're used to having more of these electronic elements attached to it, just because of the nature of the car. Is that going to hurt EV sales potentially if they don't have some of these other bells and whistles that you're used to seeing? Mm-hmm. I also kind of wonder too, you know, are we going to get back to when we're evaluating car purchases? Is it going to, are we going old school? <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I yeah. get lured in by a lot of the, the creature comfort stuff. We were looking for my wife's truck. Man, she needed that, that the heated seats and the mm-hmm. heated steering wheel. She was so used to it. it. We went up, we had a base model option and then we had the loaded one. And as soon as she saw, you know, 
no heated steering wheel mm-hmm. that definitely swayed <clears throat> her choices. So it'll be interesting how this affects things on a lot of levels from a purchasing perspective, I think, and for how long. I mean, you have to imagine that the bottom is going to drop out of those models because it's not like everyone's going to get a pass like, oh, well, that's a 2022. And so, you know, it doesn't have like an ad mm-hmm. system. But, you know, I paid more. Well, it's almost like those will be the bullet points, right? In the ads, when you're looking at everything they have, mm-hmm. maybe it'll be like, yeah, it's a 2021 but, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't have this stuff. To me, it sounded like this was a almost like a pre-recalled vehicle where it's like, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. uh, you're buying a new vehicle that they will put in these systems once they're available. Right. But think about how long it takes you to actually get your car fixed when you get a recall notice too. Like, yeah. I no, I completely agree. It's like, uh, you know, we had a tire sensor recall, but we didn't get the new sensor for, you know, 18 months. Until mm-hmm. it was, so, I mean, it's very, it's very similar, but like you said, for some people that are in a pinch, you know, uh, they're going to be stuck with these. So I have a weird tip that I read last week mm-hmm. um, about GM and how they had sold um, nine Impalas in the fourth quarter, <laughs> nine only. Whoa. And um, so I guess the story was that these were the end of the model line. So they yeah. discontinued the Impala. Right. So these were actually produced in 2020. So they were like 18 months old, brand mm-hmm. new cars that were just sitting That's in inventory. Probably got a good deal on them. Right. You would think, right? Yeah. But anyway, I was looking at the comments on this auto blog because it just was an interesting story. And some of the um, users pointed out, I thought, interestingly enough, that they said that an end of production model is sometimes or often found with like extra features because either they have a bunch of extra inventory of the stuff that, you know, from leftover from the production. Yeah. Or they just want to <clears throat> load up the vehicles to make them more attractive, um, just to get, get rid, rid of, of them, them right? Yeah. So I guess if you're looking for something particularly feature-rich, look for a vehicle that has been discontinued. <laughs> oh. oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. never really, really thought of that. Um, all right, our next most popular story this week, Apple places iPhone factory on probation. Workers at Foxconn's iPhone factories in India have been protesting poor conditions, everything from food poisoning to unlivable housing. As a result, Apple put Foxconn, quote, on probation. The move comes after independent auditors confirmed the concerns, which caused a work stoppage in mid-December. A company spokesperson, an Apple spokesperson, said, quote, We found that some of the remote dormitory accommodations and dining rooms being used for employees do not meet requirements, and we are working with the supplier to ensure a comprehensive set of corrective actions are rapidly implemented. You know, I'm just, I'm a sucker for these statements. 250 female employees suffered from food poisoning. More than 150 were hospitalized. The factory, to put it in perspective, employs 17,000 people. But still, one is bad. When a company is placed on probation, that means it won't receive any new business until the issues are resolved. Anna, I feel like this is one of those situations where both companies need to put on a public face but maybe nothing's going to change. Yeah. Protests over food poisoning. That's horrifying. I mean, the fact that these people live on site and 150 of them were hospitalized, that's pretty nasty stuff, whatever was going on there. Mm -hmm. I mean, my first thought, and I saw this reflected actually in one of the reader comments below the story, but after all the issues that Apple's had with Foxconn, like why is its policy on policing these factories? Like not more proactive, you know, you think like after the fact that they go in and take a look, but um, there's been problems over the years in varied locations and not just India. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, be- I, I don't know, to me, I think like because it's not ever impacted Apple's brand reputation, 
it's maybe difficult for them to put in the effort to try harder. I don't know. I was like looking back on their sales figures and, you know, we know, remember like Foxconn had those facilities in Asia that had so many problems with overworked employees that lived there and they had such an issue with these people taking their own lives that they Mm -hmm. had to put up nets and things outside of the buildings, the dormitories Mm -hmm. as a deterrent. Um, and it sounds crude, but that was just a really horrible reality. Yeah, not as a deterrence, but to catch people. To like catch, catch people. Bodies. Well, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah they, it just would not affect it, right, as a mitigation. So, yeah. um, And that kind of started in, like, the 2010-ish time period. So in 2009, Apple sales were $42.7 billion, after Jeez. which they began to vastly increase the volume of business they were doing through Foxconn. Mm-hmm. In 2021, Apple sales were 365 billion, so from 42.7 to 365 um, since 2009. So their sales obviously don't reflect the kind of like consumer backlash that you would yeah. expect um, <clears throat> uh, from a you know a, seeing a key contractor treat their workers this way. Yeah, which is too bad because <laughs> I, you know what I mean. Like I completely uh, agree. It's too yeah. bad because it's it's been well publicized it's been continuously happening over the years something is wrong here nobody's paying attention i don't know what's going on no it uh it made me wonder are some brands untouchable Mm -hmm. you know uh and i feel like apple's one of those brands nike has appeared to be one of those brands as well um and jeff i was curious you know for a while we were thinking you know, when the issues with uh, the nets being installed, we thought maybe Foxconn wouldn't be able to survive without Apple. But do you think maybe it's more Apple can't survive without Foxconn? Potentially. You know, I, I did some research here and looking at this whole dynamic. I don't want to get too far down this wormhole of low cost manufacturing in Asia mm-hmm. and India and stuff like that. But let's look at just a couple of facts here from the Reuters article. First of all, these women were making one hundred and forty dollars a month. 10,500 rupees a month. The average or the median wage, I should say, in India is 16,000 rupees a month. Now, they were also paying for these dorms where a half dozen were sleeping within 100, what is it, 100 square feet, these dorms or whatever they were. They were paying out of that 140? Yes. Oh, my goodness. They're paying for their dorms. They're paying for that rotten food, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's not a wage that even by a lower cost, lower standard of life in in India that was even... Amenable did not give them the ability to do much more than pay their bills, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. But when Foxconn comes into these areas, they've built a dozen factories in India over the last five or six years. They're able to get in 15,000 people into these, these, these factories and work there because these individuals know if they can get through this and they can get to a management type position, they actually can make a decent living there. Mm -hmm. Okay. They can, but what do you have to put up with in the meantime? Yeah. So 16,000 rupees a month is a median wage there. They're well below that. Mm-hmm. That equates to on an annual basis, 16,000 rupees, uh, just under $3,000 a year. Okay. Ooh. Not a lot. Yeah. No. Foxconn is a hundred and nine has $190 billion in revenue on an annual basis. Yeah. Okay. Mm. If they gave, it may employ like 1.3 million people around the world. If they gave every single person, a thousand dollar increase, which would actually get them to an amenable standard of living. Mm-hmm. It would be the equivalent of 0.6% of their annual revenues. Gross. Yeah. It would be equivalent. They would take about a 2.6% hit on their profits. Mm. 
this is a fixable problem yeah. mm-hmm. is where I'm getting to. Right. Yeah. Foxconn is huge. This is not just a, um, you know, a small, low-cost manufacturer someplace in, in the middle, in the east, oh, excuse me, in, chi- in China or India, okay? This is a big company. Right. Yeah. They can fix this, especially when they have partners like Samsung, like Apple, Apple yeah. and all these other big consumer electronics companies. So my point is, it wouldn't take a ton to fix this. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's frustrating is you don't hear anything about local government getting involved oh, yeah. because they're petrified of Foxconn. Because mm-hmm. Foxconn could pick up here, go someplace else at the drop of a hat, make the same empty promises they do to a new municipality, get their factory belt, bring in all those people, and not skip a beat. Mm-hmm. If somebody really wants to fix this, they can Mm-hmm. They don't want to. Anna, at what point, at what point does this become like, I mean, I know they're not jailed, but like, at, this is so close to like forced or not coerced, but like slave labor. It's an indentured servitude almost. Yeah. That is what it is. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's, uh, I'm glad. Uh, thank you for putting it that way because I was trying to figure out like, it's certainly not, I wouldn't call it employed or a job, you know? I'm sure that there is, you know, if they're there on their own free will, yeah. And, you know, obviously the regulatory system in developing countries, it's a little bit more lax in these situations. So, But it's, do either of you just like simple yes or no, is this something that would even make any Apple con- consumer think twice about buying Apple? No. And here's, here's why, the reason why. Because when I look at it, I get really frustrated seeing all these things. And I own an iPhone, okay? Mm-hmm. I Got a couple other Apple devices. I know that if it doesn't work out here, they'll, they'll find it another place. There's mm-hmm. always a lower cost manufacturer that will take this on, will take this work on. If it's not in India, it'll be Taiwan. It'll be someplace else. So that's the frustration. And what it takes is somebody actually giving a crap. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. Foxconn is big enough to care. Mm-hmm. They are. They want to grow. They want to grow their manufacturing footprint in North America. They're going to have to start addressing these things. You would hope. Apple is big enough to care. Yeah. So are these other consumer electronics companies. Now, should we as consumers care more? Yeah. Yeah. We should. Do we when we go to to buy something? No. Yeah. That's a could be an interesting spin on the too big to fail as if they could start promoting big enough to care. We're going to start trying now. And like I said, you look at these numbers. It would not take a lot. Yeah, would you say 0.6%? Yeah. Anna, I'm assuming it's a no from you too. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can move on, yeah. Oh, that's somehow sadder than a no, but all right. (laughs) All right, our next most popular story this week. New GM electric truck faces competition and skeptical buyers. General Motors, the former top-selling U.S. automaker, after 90 years, unveiled the Chevy Silverado EV at CES in Las Vegas. The The Silverado EV reportedly has a roomier cabin and better handling than combustion trucks. The Silverado, like competitors, also has the ability to power tools on the job site, tow trailers, and even power a house when the electricity goes out. The initial Silverado work truck will have a 400-mile range, and it can also handle direct current fast charging to get up to 100 miles of range in 10 minutes, which helps ease some of the EV anxiety. GM is now working on details to build the charging station network. Now, the early retail version, the RST, will start at about $105,000. Lower range versions will be available at around $40,000, which is more in line with electric trucks from Ford and Tesla, but they will also have a much shorter, sometimes half of the range. Anna, 
your thoughts on the Silverado EV that was uh, kind of shown off at CES this week. Well, I, you know, I would like to address um, the skeptical buyers part of this. I think like um, early adoption of technology is complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the typical pickup buyer was described, I think, by uh, GM as a gearhead, right? Right. So they said that, that this person knows exactly what's under their hood. Um, I'm not sure if that's true anymore, maybe as it was before, now that 15% of vehicles sold are pickups. Like, there's a lot of, you know, we see them every day. Like, yeah. just because you're driving a pickup does not mean you are a contractor. There's like lots of corporate people that have pickups. I, I think there's a pretty large market outside of that. Yeah. No, but, I think it's more of like a soccer dad also. Right. Like, so I don't I don't think it's that people are so committed to the internal combustion engine. I think that they just want to see like their neighbor drive it first. It's a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> vehicle, you know? Yeah. It's new technology. I think there's gonna be some bumps in this transition in terms of people accepting these as being equal or better to what they already have. And you know I'm pro EV, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you remember like when the Prius first came out, like there was tons of weird pushback, like just anecdotally and in the media about these little dumb bubble cars and they were for tree huggers and they definitely had a reputation as being for a specific buyer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those early drivers of those were those people. They were they were willing to take a gamble on the environmental factor of that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Then after a few years of seeing that car perform. Then they started going in fleets and stuff as businesses were looking at like the the business case for them. You know, you don't have to rely on a resource like gas that's prone to really abrupt price fluctuations. Um, people were saving money on gas. And so then you saw sales of the Prius between 2006 and 2012, like more than double. Mm-hmm. But it took a while, you know, and I don't think that we should expect that the first model year of an emerging technology is going to be its most successful year. That doesn't even make sense. So, um, you know, and I also think that the demographic of pickup buyers is not maybe the like EV early adopter. You know what I mean? Like I know that these automakers want to get into that space because these are their most profitable vehicles. And so they want to make electric versions of them because look, now they have two, you know, (laughs) you know, sell the hell out of them. But, um, it's not going to be right away. I just don't think so. Well, Jeff, I think part of the issue is going to come. Everyone's going to see the specs for that 105,000 version. Then they're going to go out to market to get that under 40,000 version. And they are going to be <laughs> surprised and disappointed at the much shorter ranges. Potentially. You know, it's interesting because a lot of this release or a lot of this story really talked about the work truck mm-hmm. and the contractor and right. stuff like that. And all the, the cool stuff that's on there, you know, for plugging in tools, plugging in generators, all that kind of stuff that helps at the work site. Yeah. Which is great. Okay. Yeah. It's very cool. It's, it's good stuff to have. But again, for that price point, and that's not for everybody. So it will be interesting to see how those factors sort of work in concert or against each other yeah. um, as far as how that goes. The part that I also found really interesting was a part of the story where it said, to ease anxiety over running out of juice, the truck will map a driver's route, showing the optimal charging stations along the way. That talks to me about infrastructure, which mm-hmm. is what people do have that concern about running out of power oh, yeah. in the midst of doing whatever. Taking a family vacation. In this case, this person was referencing deliveries and stuff like that. Yeah, they had to, to deliver at a site that was 400 miles out. Yeah. yeah. So if we're going to see more EVs, and we've talked about this before, there's going to have to be a lot of infrastructure investment to support a growing fleet of electric vehicles. You know, we look at some folks talking about $125 
billion. The Washington Post actually quoted this number that by 2030, in order to support the growth, talked about about 12.5% of vehicles potentially being EVs by 2030, it's $125 billion in grid infrastructure investments Mm -hmm. that are going to be needed. So are we there for those things? Uh, Looked at, found another stat here on the International Council of Clean Transportation. They said to support electric stock, vehicle stock of 26 million vehicles in the U.S. by 2030, public and workplace charging will need to grow from approximately 216,000 chargers that we had at the end of 2020 to about 10 times that Mm -hmm. by 2030. So addressing those factors, I think, are also going to play an equally important role in trying to grow confidence and acceptance of electric vehicle technology, whether it's a truck, a car, whatever. That's what, uh, you know, I I sort of mentioned it in the recap of this article. But one of the things that I liked was they were talking about, was it 10 different or 20 different companies? I think 10 different companies that they're working to build that sort of network of charging stations. Now, the one question I wanted to ask is, is this going to be too late to market? Because we're talking like, it's not really going to be available to the public until like fall next year. And so there's going to be Rivian, maybe the Cybertruck, maybe the Ram, definitely the F-150 Lightning. Uh, I don't know. I think truck truck buyers are very brand loyal. Yeah, I think okay. especially when you look at the F one fifty, they they're buying a Ford truck. Yeah, Silverado, they're buying that Chevy truck. I think that so I think that plays a big part in it. Yeah. Now over time, I think you make a great point. Yeah, especially Rivian, which seems to be making a lot of progress and doing things the right way. It's refreshing to see that in an EV company startup. So I think there could be some interesting dynamics there. Yeah. Um, in terms of how that impacts things, but I think there's a lot of brand loyalty there where they if they say it's coming, I think there may be Silverado owners at all. But, wait for it. but if you think about it, when we talked about four doubling orders for that F-150 Lightning, 75% of those people were new to the Ford brands mm-hmm. that had reservations. So, okay. you know, that's a lot of play in that potential market. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask just real quick is, uh, are we going to call like, are we going to stop at the electricity station? In like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I got to like, I mean. Yeah, instead of the gas station. Yeah, yeah, instead of the gas. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be the charging station, but I just prefer it be like, I've got to go to the local electricity station. Well, if I can, if I have to plug in and wait for like 10 minutes, I'm going to be buying a lot more quick trip cheeseburgers. Oh, yeah. it's not great for my. Yeah, I know. Like you're just going to sit in your car and just like house cheeseburgers. <laughs> and, oh, no. And lottery tickets. Just like I'm going to be covered with the scratch off dust. Well, I'm curious what how the infrastructure picture changes, um, knowing that people will have portable chargers with them and they will also be able to charge in their homes mm-hmm. because you don't have that with gas right yeah. yeah so i would think that changes the picture a bit like if it's me and you know i'm driving my ev to work every day charging it at home i don't really have the need for charging infrastructure unless i'm going on a long trip yeah. like it's different from how i would use a, a gas station right mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see if but if that influences like the the number of what is in reality needed um i know you need to install certain outlets and all that stuff in your um in your home but like locally i know um the utilities will pay or not pay but they will in charge install those chargers for free in your house Mm -hmm. just because they're then your your fuel provider now you know what i mean so to encourage people to use electricity instead of gas but i think there'll still be the grid need though because then you're you're siphoning more power off the grid so even if you're plugging in at home, there's oh, still yeah, be yeah, definitely. Answer. I agree. I just meant like the charging stations aspect yeah. of it. Like yeah. what, what does that change? I'm not I sure. Think, I think it's going to be like uh, how remember the craze with the McDonald's Playland 
that came out because that was <laughs> no like when this is clear yes yeah so <laughs> no like uh, so for travelers when you are going on a long distance trip you would wait to see the signs to see McDonald's and whether or not it said Playland oh, okay, okay. because it's like I want to eat and my kids need to burn off some energy so it's going to be like McDonald's Playland and charging station so like I mean those yeah. are going to be st- I mean so for every Playland there there will the, be a charging station it, and then that's how we know how many we need exactly okay exactly uh, it just makes sense because because I was trying to think of what, you know, the new electricity station is going to look like. And I was thinking it's going to look like, you know, it's going to look like a uh, like a Starbucks, you know, because people are going to need to hang out for a bit. No, you're right. And even yeah. Quick Trip, the nicest gas station that I've ever been in. I don't want to be there for 10 minutes. Yeah. Like 10 minutes is a lifetime. Oh, Let's, I could spend 10 minutes in there for sure. I'm going to we're after this. We're going to go to Quick Trip and I'm going to time it. And I feel I feel like yeah. around minute six going to be like. Fine, you win. I will be meticulously selecting each donut. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bagging the whole dozen by hand. You got a question with this charging network they'll potentially need it. Tesla's got the best network right now. They do. Are Mm -hmm. they going to play well with others? Are they? Or is this just going to be like you got to be a Tesla? Yeah, like a different. Yeah. Whatever the you know version of an iPass would be to get into the the Tesla charging station. I feel like that's something that at some point is going to take some sort of overarching regulation where. A charger is a charger regardless of the car. I don't know. Yeah. Um, then again, we wanted to see that with consumer electronics, and that certainly hasn't worked out. <laughs> All right. Our next most popular story this week. Mercedes prototype can travel 600 miles per charge. Mercedes-Benz recently unveiled the Vision EQXX, a four-door electric sedan prototype that could set a new standard for EV range. It goes more than 600 miles per charge. Mercedes will test drive a prototype in coming months, and while some components might start to be marketed, it's really unclear when the EQXX will be available. The company will invest $45 billion in electric vehicle operations, including eight new battery plants through 2030. Jeff, is this just another another marketing claim that no one's really ever going to have to fact check? <laughs> um, you know, I think, hopefully I'm not reading between the lines too much, but this seemed like a direct sort of volley at Tesla. Definitely, yeah. I mean, they're definitely coming out with a 600-mile range. The problem here is that they said it's based on internal digital simulations. <laughs> yeah, so they have to sketch. We're testing it. It's looking really good. Yeah. You know? um, so, and I think a lot of the fact, a lot of that comes from the fact that Tesla has built, we talked about this last week, they've got this brand that everybody's attracted to. It's easily identifiable with um, electric vehicles and their, the certain prestige and, and everything that comes with it. So I think it's almost like some of this was um, was Mercedes reaching out and almost trying to get Tesla to respond to bring them into that same category. Yeah. Like they're saying, hey, we, we beat you. We got 600. The best you're doing now is like 520. Um, you know, come at me a little bit. Which here. Tesla isn't even doing yet. I mean, they're, that's the same thing with Tesla yeah. too. They're like, well, we can, can do it and we're kind of doing it in, in our factory. Yeah. But Tesla's a little closer. This is, this is a bit of a, this is a this big is, swing. It's this a is big swing. Great. Yeah. yeah. 600 miles. Not really sure if it's ever going to see the market, but the parts we're designing, maybe. <laughs> that was the other part. The, the parts are going to be available. The car, <laughs> yeah. not sure. And yeah, also sure. like, why are we like, should we put a press release out about this? Yeah, we should. Like, okay, the timing of it is just, I don't know. Well, it is an awesome looking car. It's basically yeah. like they took a 911 Porsche and just stretched it out a little bit, mm-hmm. chopped off the spoiler. I mean, it looks cool. Yeah. I like the way the prototype looks, if it were real. I mean, sometimes, you know, 
CES wasn't necessarily a certainty this year. So once like it was actually greenlit, they just walked around the office like, who's working on anything somewhat tech related? We we have to get there tomorrow. (laughs) I'm thinking I could do 620. And I wanted to say that according to Car and Driver, it's officially 620 miles for the range. Okay. on their their hypothetical range yeah. is hypothetically longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anna, I know that we like to talk about some of these uh, PR moves here and there, but uh, you know, like we talked about, this one seems further from reality. <laughs> I mean, maybe not as much as my lizard lungs last week, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's still a stretch. I don't know. We don't know, right? But like to me, it's interesting because it speaks to the sheer speed of development that's happening on the battery side. And I think it's like exciting because some of these gains have been made because everyone's kind of working towards the same goal at once. Um, which like, you you know, you look at the vaccine developments, like oh, yeah. no, nothing goes that fast unless suddenly the government is dumping billions of dollars at it and everyone's working on the same thing at once you know Mm -hmm. but that's kind of what's happening with batteries like everyone's on the same timeline of trying to like get this figured out and so i don't know i it like if you think about like the top tier of the ev range was like 250 200 like a couple years ago oh yeah so i like honestly can't wait until the flood of like evs hits the resale market that are like 200 mile range cars and they're gonna like be super cheap and I'm going to buy one. Um, I d- like they're going to lose their value so fast on resale, right? Because oh, yeah. this is moving so fast. So I'll be interested to see like how that actually plays out in the next couple of years. Um, I've talked about it before, but I think like because of this insane flood that's going to happen in the next two years of brand new stuff mm-hmm. and the technology now being so elevated just a couple years ahead of what it was before. Yeah. I'm going to buy one of those old ones and just laugh all the way to the <laughs> bank. What was that switch? As you... <laughs> no, like, as people say, laugh all the way to the bank. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, what was that switch where all of a sudden, I mean, it seemed like we, even within this year, we talked about automakers kind of dipping a toe, you know, uh, coming out with plans, forecasts for 35, 40. But it just feels like everything ramped up incredibly the last year. Is it because of the incredible, uh, like, subsidies that seem to be coming out um, as a result of them? Is it market demand? I don't know. I think it's a lot of pressures that have been put on the automakers, whether it be from regulatory bodies, um, environmental groups, stuff like that. Also reading the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. They got to do it at some point. Yeah. So might as well start earlier than later. These types of things also, with Mercedes throwing this out there, I think gives them a chance to say, hey, you know, we're doing stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're involved in this. We're investing $45 billion in EV operations. That's a great thing to claim to and be able to point to and also keep you in the public's sort of in the mind's eye when it comes to the discussion on these types of vehicles. Also, if you're going to stretch on the range, they said it tops out at 87 miles per hour. Well, that's specific to the powertrain, but uh, it just seemed like... Yeah, for a Mercedes, that's low. Yeah, yeah, just uh, not a lot of juice. Come on. Not a lot of juice. Lame. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it took. How fast is your 200-mile range EV going to tough? I don't care. Do you guys think I ever go over 70? I don't. You should. I would actually, I don't, maybe 70 seems still high for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not as boring as I appear on TV. (laughs) We could, uh, we could like. But Dr- close to it, but not as. We'll pick up the kids from daycare and yeah. drag race at our forty-five mile per hour clip down a frontage road. How do you how do you pull the car over from seventy when you have to like 
literally pull, you know when you're like I will pull the car over oh you don't you yeah. throw the arm back full of like goldfish <laughs> while you're screaming and you can feel the heat from your wife's eyes on you just like <laughs> shut up <laughs> and then uh, you know you calmly collect yourself and say they this is their problem they cause this this isn't me no I've, this is a hypothetical situation that I'm envisioning yeah. and haven't at all lived of course none of us have <laughs> right and I mean it's or raisins that's the only difference. Maybe it's raisins. <laughs> or raisins. <laughs> All right. Our most popular story this week, courtesy Anna Wells, inventor unveils lickable TV prototype. I am sorry. <laughs> Let's do for it. For bringing this to the table. Meiji, <clears throat> Meiji University professor Homei Mayashida has invented a prototype device that's designed to bring a multi-sensory viewing experience to your TV. And he calls it... Taste the TV or TT TV. <laughs> it uses a carousel of 10 flavor canisters that can be combined to mimic the taste of food. The flavors are sprayed onto a hygienic film across a television screen and appropriately licked. While it seems unnecessary, TTTV allows isolated people to interact with others around the world in a safe way. Anna, would you lick a television? Too many T's. I'm going to say that first. Why so many T's? The three TV. Yeah. No, I would not. But um, sometimes it's hard for me to see the benefits of some of these technologies when you consider how intelligent these people are and what they could be doing otherwise. But... um, I know, I know a lot of people said this is weird and unnecessary, and it also is that for me. Yeah. But I do think it reinforces the importance, kind of to, to your last point, of tech developments for the disabled or yeah. the isolated. Like when you consider how much of tech development is targeted towards able bodied people, mm-hmm. um, this could really have some applications for someone who is like homebound, bedbound who has mental health issues like agoraphobia, um, who we want to enhance experiences for those people as well. So, you know, it seems weird and gross because we've never seen it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's not. It's like it is. Yeah, it it definitely is. If it adds like that extra like sense modification for people who would otherwise never get to go to a restaurant or who might benefit from an interactive game or a taste test that they would not, you know, that's what he said. Like maybe like taste test games or something like that. Um, it seems very niche, but I think we need to look at the massive benefit that can come from helping to support or boost like people who have con- mental health concerns and, and maybe live alone or can't go anywhere. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm i trying to look at it that way because I know it's not a, something that I would use, but, right. you know, but, I, but somebody would use it. Maybe, I, you know? No, I definitely understand those implications. What were your thoughts, weird or gross, on the severed fake tongue they used in demonstrations to slap at the screen. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like really. Look, I I didn't like looking at it. I didn't yeah. like thinking about it. Yeah, Jeff, uh, when they were putting together that video, at what point are they like? Do you know what would really illustrate this point? <laughs> we need a fake severed tongue that we can slap the screen with. They just, just they just wouldn't stop doing. They that. wouldn't stop slapping the screen with that fake tongue. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Somebody just guess, made their career on that. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just glad this is where we are as a society, as a civilization. <laughs> the final frontier in technology that we had to figure out 
was how do I taste my TV? We have mm-hmm. enough engineers doing regular things. Yeah. We need to figure out this we, TV tasting thing. We don't thing. need to figure out how 5G is not going to crash planes. No, no, no. That'd we don't fun. need to figure out any of this. We ran a story too about 5G, about possibly, you know, the, the emergency <laughs> medical button, you know, can mess with that. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah, not worry about that. No. Yeah. Let's not worry about any of those other things. We have to be able to lick the TV and mm-hmm. get something mm-hmm. out of it. I think and we have climate all, change pretty how, much figured out, right? So let's yeah. just move on to this tongue thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only thing that's backwards about this is why are we licking TVs? We know that we all want to just lick our device. First, Gross. Well, TTTD, really? that's yeah. coming soon. Yeah, I'm just saying Man. they should have focused on the phone because when I mean like. That's just such an unnerving visual to see somebody. Hey, guys, you got to check this out. Lick my TV. Think mm-hmm. of the Super Bowl parties. I mean, it's just like when oh the commercial gosh. comes on and it's just like, hey, bro, do you mind if I lick your TV real yeah. quick? Those yeah, wings yeah, yeah like, you got to check this out. I just got the new yeah. taste canister search for the latest Doritos flavor. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. It is really like they brought the original Cool yeah. Ranch back. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Also, you can mix Cool my Ranch and um, original, too. It's amazing. Original. <laughs> Nacho cheese. <laughs> Jeff. Uh, what, what do you know about Doritos? <laughs> what don't I know about Doritos? Uh, well, delectable corn-based treats aside, this is, seems more like a stopgap in technology. Uh, we've covered a couple of stories that this professor has done. He mm-hmm. did. Uh, it was like a he did a flavor pen that you would touch to your tongue, mm-hmm. and you could get different sensory. Uh, he's done this with a number of different products to try and enhance uh, food flavors. Um, but it seems like a stopgap to me because. When I think of the people that it will benefit the most, those that are homebound or otherwise disabled, yeah. um, I think of the advancements of like neurological technology, like Neuralink, that, you know, once we get the correct brain mapping to a computer, like that's just going to go directly to your brain. Okay, but I would almost rather lick a TV than have like a brain implant. Well, I mean, that's your choice. Depends on what the implant can do. Yeah, you can buy it. I think if it's only taste related, then I'm licking that TV. I think I would echo your sentiment in that. I hope this is the thing that leads to the thing. Yeah. Um, It's it's, it's a start in terms of going someplace else. Um, One thing I think could be kind of an interesting application, maybe if I could get over licking a screen, would be... (laughs) You can get over it. you come up with something new, like a new food product. Yeah. Maybe you could get a feel for it before you made it or bought it by... Having this as part of the promotional <laughs> campaign? Yeah, I don't know. That's well, there's amazing. so there, there's like a very limited number of professional flavorists that are available in this world. Do you need like a professional flavorist to sign to off like on this? Mix, mix the yeah to the say can. like yeah. no, that doesn't taste like almond milk. Well, I'm and sorry. would you trust it? Like, I mean, you know, they he said that he was going to try to like offer unique flavors from restaurants that were across the world so people could try something that they would never get a chance to eat. But like, mm-hmm. do you think those chefs are like? Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> what it is like. By just putting in these curry canister, you'll yeah. get a great flavor. This is a great that. commercial yeah. for my product. Uh, one thing that I did find interesting was he talked about a flavor database where different tastes could be downloaded, mm-hmm. kind of like they download, redownload music and movies today. And that to me sounds interesting as a person that likes to Google random things. I guess. So, you know. When I'm reading a book with my kid and I want to, you know, Google the sound that a giraffe makes, we could also smell it or potentially taste it. Taste the giraffe. Yep. Well, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a whole new world of sensory education. It's even harder to swallow when, Uh, sorry. This is um, as good as when you were talking about tree huggers and you actually made the hugging motion. Did you notice that? That's how you did. I didn't notice, but. You were talking about that and you're over there with your green sweater on (laughs) making a hugging motion. It was perfect. (laughs) I just want to hug it so bad. Uh, 
It just is. We are like living in this time when we're not even supposed to like touch our own faces. And then we're like being <laughs> pitched this technology where we lick like the grossest thing ever would be like to lick your phone. Oh, I mean, uh, no, like, the grossest thing ever would be if you're at a restaurant ordering off of those digital menus and you can <gasps> lick those menus to try it to try and see it like do I want the blooming onion hold on let me lick this clearly unclean covered yeah. in filth but it's, it's a hygienic film yeah it's a hygienic <laughs> film that's what's going to be the one that uh <laughs> you think we're having a problem getting yeah. rid of the vid now yeah this imagine is, when you gotta lick your menus world, everybody at the world health organization just like I know. fell over coming oh. to a TGI Friday is near you <laughs> right do you think you want the surf and turf well, <laughs> lick the screen. <laughs> oh. oh, all right. I mean, you know, I requested a sample. We'll see if it comes through. There a we TTTV. <laughs> right. Also, work on the marketing. Too long. All right. Well, let's move on to in case you missed it. The stories that, you know, maybe weren't as popular on the websites, but could stand to make a big impact on the industry moving forward. Jeff. I wanted to start with you this week. What is your, in case you missed it? All right. So I've said this before. I am fascinated with this Elizabeth Holmes mm-hmm. deal, oh, yeah. this trial, everything. I've watched the uh, the documentary. I think it was called The Inventor about her and everything. And so we ran an article talking about, excuse me, <clears throat> will Silicon Valley learn from this conviction of Elizabeth Holmes in terms of the fake it till you make it yeah. dynamic that yeah. you've talked mm-hmm. about a lot? Um, the overall <laughs> assessment of the article is, Probably not. No. Um, they're yeah. still going to make these outrageous claims to try to get more investors and more excitement around this. The more I learn about this, and the thing that I hadn't thought about as much until we really got into a lot of these electric vehicle startups and talking about, hey, it's kind of hard to make a car yeah. or a semi. Oh, yeah. She had no medical background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> none, none at all. Yeah. And yet somehow they saw this 19-year-old dropout from uh, Stanford University who was going to change the medical world. Yeah. And the fact that she was able to manipulate this for so long, at one point being worth over $4 billion on paper, mm-hmm. um, cover of Forbes, time, everything. And the thing is, there's all this these mistakes, and she's awaiting sentencing. It's probably going to have to wait until the other individual from Theranos, right, that they're going to try him first and then probably sentence them both. Yeah. So she's going to wait for a while, but she could face up to 20 years in prison yeah. for all this. And <laughs> the end result is, you know, investors will probably look a little bit harder before they give people money, but they're still chasing that golden ring. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really not going to have an impact. And it's just a shame because think about all the viable engineering projects that we have talked about right. on yeah. our site, in all of our videos. And those folks are doing things from an engineering background that they have an understanding of the product they're trying to develop and they have a trouble with funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody here who just came up with a really cool idea, had no idea how it was going to make it happen, faked it way too much, never yeah. made it. And it's, you know, there's no lesson learned essentially. No. It's well, kind of disheartening. When uh, I just picture these investors that, and they say they're fired up, but I feel like behind closed doors, they're just like, you can't win them all. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, you can't win them all, but Kind of sucks for Liz. <laughs> you know, it seems like she's going down for it. And I mean, one of the big things that I got from watching the documentary about it was that, you know, she happened to be able to bilk a lot of people out of money just because of, you know, her hubris, her personality, her charm, and she was attractive. Like, that was a big part of it. Well, and it's you just, again, I get kind of caught up and you wonder the mindset is. I don't think she's, I think a lot of these people are just 
sociopaths. They just don't care. They have no emotional connection to the wrongdoing and what they're potentially doing to people. I really don't think that was as much her. Yeah. I think there were other people like that in this organization. Her and the other individual, um, what's his name, Sonny? Balwani. Balwani. They're both taking the hit on this. There were other bad people oh, yeah. in that company, without mm-hmm. a doubt. I think she just got, she was always very open with the fact that she was doing this for financial gain. She wanted to be rich. So yeah. that was a big driver for her. I think she just got into this so much that she convinced herself that this was going to happen. Well, that it was possible because yeah. it was a remar- it would have been a remarkable breakthrough if they could have made it work. And when you're that young and you've got all these people throwing this much money, you must be thinking like, well, all right, yeah, well, I can do this. I agree with that. I mean, I think like that that kind of pushed her forward probably, you know, maybe failure was appropriate and mm-hmm. – no one was letting that happen. She was pushing people. I, there was no due diligence in people you know, looking and into. Want, and I don't make it sound like I'm defending her in <clears throat> any way, shape, or form. She deserves whatever she gets. But um, just but a fascinating like. It really was the last time. It's not the last time. We yeah. will talk about the same story yeah. with different characters. There will be another Theranos within yeah. 26 weeks. Oh, so many. Yeah. Um. All right. My in case you missed it this week was uh, one of the stories from Engineering by Design. Um. Robot is more centaur than humanoid. And I realized initially when I pasted that into the notes that I kind of really missed on that headline. You know, I'd sometimes have some good ones and uh, that one just didn't do it for a lot of people. Oh, you <clears> just <throat> didn't think that it was a good headline? No, no, no. I had, uh, well, I had a your second others. chance. What would you? What yeah, would you let's do it again. You know, I'm just going to jump into it. Redo okay. time. No. <laughs> and then hopefully come up with a better redo. Beyond is a humanoid robot from beyond imagination. The the remote piloted robot with incredible dexterity was at CES 2022 this year. The robot can stack bricks, make eggs, use hand tools, and even administer uh, vaccinations, but all kinds of medications. The idea is to use it in challenging environments. Now, users can train up in it in just a few minutes and steer the robot using a simple VR headset and special gloves. Kind of look like that Nintendo glove. Another interesting part of Beomni is its AI brain. So over time, the AI brain is going to learn how to do these tasks, first through the help of humans, semi-autonomously, but then kind of like the... Uh, the flavor database, it's going to build a database of these actions Mm. and one day potentially be fully autonomous. I just thought that's an incredible advancement. Uh, They show some pilot studies with it uh, interacting with the elderly, and it was a big success in terms of it being a constant presence because, you know, there is like a human aspect behind it when there's a human pilot that's interacting. The other thing I thought about is just no way am I letting this thing Give me an IV yet. Yeah, maybe your headline should have been like robot administers vaccine after minutes of training. That was so that was one of them. I was I had like the vaccine medical angle. Mm-hmm. But I definitely I thought about last week where I was just like, man, we already talked about, you know, I mean, just the word vaccine now. And you immediately get 100 pe- like 100 percent of people are angry one way or the other because <laughs> you said vaccine. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. uh, but no, it's I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this robot. And I said centaur because it seems like they did a really careful job of making a humanoid torso and then kind of just got a box with wheels on the back end. I didn't see it because the headline was so bad. I didn't click. So I mean, you and everybody else, Anna, that's why we're here. Not interested. (laughs) It's all right. It was just a waste of my day. No. (laughs) Oh, and not just mine. I got to waste other people's time too. Sorry, (laughs) producer Alex. It was not a waste of my time, David. I clicked. Thank you, Jeff. I support your work as well. <laughs> um, I like the remote piloted element of it. Yeah. 
oh, the autonomous robot doing some of the things that they're talking about, that would still freak me out. Yeah. But I will say this, when we talk about doing the IV, Sometimes I would trust a machine more oh. than a person. I've seen some pretty shaky <laughs> hands coming yeah. at me with those things. I've been doing this 80 years. I have uh, some flashbacks <laughs> when I was in the Army and we did a combat lifesaver course. Oh. And one of the things you have to do is actually stick an IV and, and in case somebody gets dehydrated, they can hook up the saline solution and all that. Yeah. And man, it was a bloodbath. <laughs> you had people coming in there trying. I mean, no like medical oh. training before like me. Yeah. And you're like, all right, come on. Let's see if I can find a vein. Oh, and man. Oh. Insert the needle and uh, hook up the IV. I was actually, I got decent at it. It yeah. um, wasn't too bad. But I was also the lowest ranking guy, so I got stuck like five times. Oh, I was going to say, this <laughs> This sounds like some squid game sort of game. Just like partner up. All right, give each no, other this, IVs. This was, this was the military training. Oh, oh my goodness. But hey, we all got certified and we're all good to go. So if you ever, if I can recertify and you're up for it. I didn't know you could do this. I'm getting IV bags. Yeah. For softball, maybe. Yeah, we need to get (laughs) hydrated some mornings. (laughs) Uh, The one thing I think, this headline, it wasn't this headline. I actually like the other story a little bit better. Yeah. I think you picked the wrong story. I think you should have done the um, the flying saucer one. Yeah. Because I know we were debating that. But um, I thought that was really interesting. If you get a chance to check out the video, the one talking about using the saucer on other planets and how it's able to move and, and gather stuff, I thought that was really cool as well. No, I so see, I, I had like some flying saucer internal conflict as well because I just ran that saucer story uh, that we talked <clears throat> yeah. about a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm like, could this be oversaturated saucer coverage? So that's why I, <laughs> too much saucer. That's right. It's too much saucer. <laughs> so instead, I went with the, you know, Weak Obviously Swasa. more popular <laughs> centaur. And you want the weak Swasa story. You want the Swasa. You're making your friend uncomfortable right now by, by arguing. Oh, oh, sorry. Not to make anyone uncomfortable. This is just jovial back and forth. All right. I'm before pissed. anyone gets uneasy, Anna, what's your in case you missed it this week? Before we move on, do you want any more feedback from me and Jeff about how you could be doing your job better? Yes, Anna, let's go for it. <laughs> Oh no! No, seriously. If there's there's a Is real Carrie thing, watching, maybe she could chime in on yeah. things too. If there's a real, if there's something real, you're gonna have to let me know. Otherwise, you know, I won't be able to sleep tonight because I'll just be like, I mean, she said it as a joke, right? Maybe I don't know. But there was I should some- text her tonight at eleven. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> just a joke. Nothing there. I'm sure. Nope. Uh, <clears throat> that was a very nervous laugh. I know. I got like just got gen- got that got was like high, a, that yeah. was like a general anxiety laugh with yeah. like a professional advancement laugh. So I mean, it just really got muddy. Well, whatever I can do to <laughs> ruin your weekend. <laughs> oh no! All right. Uh, so Riddell, uh, the sports equipment maker, has developed a football helmet that might be the next big step in design and player safety. Mm. So it's called Axiom, and it's a personal fit helmet designed and manufactured player by player rather than position by position. So according to the article, Axiom's features are based on data and designed to improve impact response, reduce head impact exposure, and deliver unprecedented production. So it's pretty cool. Um, The news comes on the heels of the autopsy. I don't know if you guys saw this of that former NFL player, Philip Adams, who took his own life after killing a family, like kind of inexplicably in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. I think it was in South Carolina. Um, But it was revealed um, in December that his brain showed what was described as unusually severe CTE, which is that degenerative disease that's linked to head trauma. Mm -hmm. And we see this, I feel like, over and over again, right? Um, players who are kind of risking their lives for this game. And it's become to me like kind of a dark cloud over it. I'm a football fan, but 
I think people are finding it increasingly hard to ignore this as a byproduct of this sport. Yeah. Um, so that's good news, I think. I, th- I think the big challenge now is finding mm-hmm. ways to incorporate um, these kinds of improvements into like lower levels of these programs with smaller budgets. Like this helmet, Axiom, is said to cost about $750 a piece, which you can see why. I mean, it's customized for each player, right? But you're not putting that helmet on a high school football player, even, you know, D3 college program. Sure. So <clears throat> so if there's a way to kind of, I don't know, scale the technology so it becomes cheaper or find a way to incorporate that into some of the other programs, I think that would be great. This could be a big, big change. So sorry, I feel like that was kind of, it's kind of like a positive story, but also like kind of a downer. So it's not a downer. I find it no. to be a positive story because uh, I love the NFL, I love football. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, there's a constant fear about is CTE for anyone that's played it for any amount of time. Right. Just because yeah. Of, you know, I come from a time when you were trained to lead with your head. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. your head was a weapon that you should have used. So any sort of, and, you know, you like to see this for the NFL, but like you said, you like to see this be able to trickle down to, I mean, I have, we have real conversations about whether or not our sons will even yeah. be available like mm-hmm. to play football because it's like as much as you love the sport there's just way too much potential bad uh results as a result of the repeated head trauma yeah i mean a couple things with this first of all you'd think maybe 3d printing could help with mm-hmm. some of that price and, and scaling and stuff and bring it down if i had a kid playing high school football i would definitely look at getting something like this yeah i mean you remember what it was like in high school when we got our helmets oh yeah i mean they were there ridiculous. was a pile like, <laughs> you got them and you put them on either it was super tight yeah. mm-hmm. or it was a little, and you wanted it a little loose, which is horrible for you. Yeah. I mean, how many times I can think of at least once or twice that I can remember, shouldn't joke about it, but like where I, today, if that happened to me, that incident, I would not be going back in the game. Oh, and I yeah. just kind of played. And that's, that's a division six high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And that's, you know, one thing I will do a shout out to my high school football coach. He taught us, Lee Brame told us, see what you hit. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things I'm seeing in the NFL and college now, especially in college with like the um, targeting penalties. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it because yeah. you, you see those guys going in with their head down and that is how this stuff gets worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be. Like in terms of 3D printing and 3D <clears throat> scanning, I almost see a product like this being like uh, how orthotics have changed as a result of 3D printing where you just step on the map, they scan your feet sure. and they 3D mm-hmm. print a custom orthotic for your foot. You know, yeah. so I mean, uh, I didn't think it was a downer, Anna. I thought I, I no. thought uh, any sort of like um, technology when it comes to helmets, hundred percent for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's just some of the stuff that's happened in the last couple of years where you see people's lives have just been impacted so tragically from whatever happened to them playing football. Just well, and, and not just football, but you know, boxing, MMA. Mm-hmm professional wrestling hockey, like yeah. hockey when they talk about having the brain of a like 90 year old man mm-hmm. like uh that's some scary stuff when the guy's yeah. 30 40 years old yeah exactly all right let's move on to our final thoughts this week anna what do you have for the viewers listeners before we get out of here okay so i need some help um it's january here so it's horrible outside we live in wisconsin and i don't want to go out there mm-hmm. so um <laughs> <clears throat> you know if you drove faster it wouldn't be as bad. <laughs> <laughs> if it gets warmer, if you drive faster, you just less uh, time, less time. What I was getting at is, um, send me your recommendations on HBO documentaries. Any documentaries? That's my favorite thing to watch in the winter when it's like dark all the time, and I just sit on my couch and under ten blankets. Mm. So um, I loved the Elizabeth Holmes documentary that you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Um, I've seen some pretty good stuff uh, recently, but I need some more. 
input. So if anyone that's listening has a favorite, let me know. Anna at IEN.com. <laughs> Did you uh, listen to the episode when we had uh, Andy on and his recommendation for the final thought was the William Hurst documentary? No. Yeah, it's supposed to be She really doesn't good. listen to our stuff. No, what? I do. Doesn't, guys, doesn't, guys. She doesn't uh, click on anything we do. That's all right. I had a lot going on while I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> it needs a better headline. Not sure about the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, but he said that one was really good. Okay. Yeah. Um, my final thought this week is just to do anything you do with absolute confidence and never waver. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, what do you have? Uh, how did the trivia contest turn out this week? It was good. It was really good. Got a, got a couple, handful of responses, and we had two people that won. Uh, congratulations to Nick Thalen and Marina Bayless. Yeah, all right. Who correctly found the response to what serious condition is suggested by clear fluid from the ears or nose? It's a skull fracture. <laughs> Why would it be clear? Well, it's it's brain is fluid. Brain fluid? Oh it's brain God. fluid. I just you know, ugh, yeah. I guess yeah. any leakage, bad. Yeah. So, continuing on with that cheery um, mm. sort of category of questions. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. Here we go. Here's the next one. So, again, email the podcast, send it to any of us, or to jeff at IN.com. Here's our question. If a tooth is knocked out, what readily available liquid is best for transporting it to a dentist? Would it be A, beer, <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice catch. salt water, B, or C, milk? Why are these in the studio? So, David, when yeah. Anna gets mad at you for not doing your job well enough, and yes. she just gets violent, knocks your tooth out, what should oh. you put that in before you take it to so the dentist? Do not beer? answer. No, no, no. It's beer, milk. A, beer. Yeah. B, salt water. C, milk. I mean, Let me know your thoughts. Are, so, when this company gave these cards out and people read them, they had to expect, well... This company expects that we have at least these three items on site at all time. They did. Oh, my goodness. My they did. Goodness. Yep. They did. So, beer, salt water. You got salt water or milk, milk <laughs> over there? <laughs> You're going to do salt water shooters? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, right. And, and as far as documentaries go, yeah. I've told you this one before, The Curse of Von Dutch. It's on Hulu. On Hulu. Yeah. Okay. It I got to try one. that. This weekend, yeah. I will. Do the uh, torso killer one on Netflix too. Hey. Make sure you got something to like easy on, easy out of that one. <laughs> like, don't go to bed right after that one because it gets weird. <laughs> um, all right, well, that is a pungent, pungent beer. My goodness. Uh, all right, before From the we land get, of sky blue waters. My goodness, that's Hams, still a, the beer refreshing. That's still a thing, huh? Yeah, Hams <clears throat> is still around. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here this week, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. Finally, to email the podcast, you can reach us at Jeff, Anna, or David at IN.com with email the podcast in the subject line. Finally, make sure to subscribe to our newsletters and make sure that you get the podcast to your inbox first. All right. For Jeff and Anna, I'm David Manti. This is the Today in Manufacturing podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Today in Manufacturing podcast.